Welcome to Fintech Founders, the podcast where we sit down and speak with the entrepreneurs changing the financial industry. In each episode, you'll learn about a founder, the company they built, and their vision for the future. My name's Nicholas Beliveau, your host for the show and the head of marketing at Fintech Cadence. Fintech Cadence is a community builder that's developing Canada's fintech leaders of tomorrow. To learn more about what we do, visit fintechcadence.com. Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode. Today we have the pleasure of meeting Eric and Rob, the co-founders at Check Please. First time we have two co-founders uh, <laughs> during one recording. How's it going, gentlemen? Very good, very good. How about you? Very good. Happy to have you and excited we could finally make this happen. We're supposed to record this uh, pre-COVID, timing didn't work out, and then uh, kind of lost track of time. But it's 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 going to be a, a great episode for everyone listening because uh, I think you guys are a fantastic example of resilience uh, and, and true entrepreneurship. So to kick it off, could you please tell us um, about your company and, and tell us about Check, Please? Sure, sure. So yeah, we're, we're Check Please. We started uh, the startup um, 2018. So we've been at it for, for quite a while now. And uh, you know, our mission is to provide contactless technology to the hospitality industry at a, a cost-effective uh, price. Uh, so we've been working on this again for the last few years, building multiple partnerships, and uh, we're about to take it to the next level. So definitely excited to, to speak more about that in the rest of the podcast. Yeah. So being in the, the restaurant business, could you t- tell us a bit of the story, what your product was, what Check Please was maybe pre-COVID and then what happened and, and where you're at today? Yeah, definitely. I think pre-COVID, our, our focus was really on replacing the payment terminal and kind of recreating the customer experience in bars and restaurants. So you didn't have that, that wait period at the end of your experience where you were waiting on the waiter to bring you a payment terminal, then bring you the bill, then tap your card to pay. If you're in a big group, you have to pass this terminal one by one. So waiting was, on waiting on the waiter, the, the irony yeah, in the... Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of the, the problem that we were trying to solve was the, the, that last experience when you were dining out or, or going out at a bar or restaurant. Uh, obviously, when, when COVID hit and the, the mandatory closures to, to the industry across the country kind of fell into effect, um, we had to rethink kind of our entire strategy from product to the, basically the whole the whole company, and we did a full three sixty uh, pivot on, on what the product was. Yeah, and could could you tell us a bit of how, how you managed that? What what were you guys thinking and, and going through? I guess it, it couldn't have been easy because it's not you wake up one day and okay, cool, we'll just scrap everything and and and, and start from scratch. Yeah. Um, you know that I think I remember the day that all the restaurants closed pretty well. Um, you know, that that mid March uh, where they announced that for the foreseeable future all restaurants are closing. And it's funny because we had just started our big sales push. From at this point, the product was a downloadable mobile app that customers would create accounts on, and then if the restaurants participating, you'd be able to pay your bill. It's a really good idea, and we did start to get a lot of traction. But unfortunately, you know, when everything closed. 
and there was no end in sight. You know, the reopenings could have been in six months, could have been in a month. We honestly didn't know. We built our analysis and we said, look, what's the worst case scenario here? And at the time we said, you know, should, three months or so, and then they'll, they'll figure this COVID thing out. In hindsight, uh, very naive, but we knew that there was a big shift happening regardless, right? Because this is going to force restaurateurs to, to come up with a, with a digital strategy in a very short amount of time. So we had two options. Either we would, um, you know, wait until things to open up again, start trying to build partnerships and, and relationships with restaurateurs that we knew had bigger fish to fry. We're very worried about the future. Or alternatively, you know, what can we do to help and the first thing we did is just speak to our existing customers. Yeah, and 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 how, how was that? I'm, I'm guessing it was welcomed with open arms, but they, they must have. On the flip side, your 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 customers were, were not having it easy either. Um, how, how did that go? Yeah, no, it was definitely a very difficult transition for for everyone. A lot of our customers at the time were kind of the higher end, more experience based restaurants, so they weren't necessarily set up on any of these delivery platforms like Uber Eats or Skip the Dishes. So that transition from a whole like dine-in business model to then going online was just extremely difficult from adapting your menu to purchasing containers for takeout. You know, there's just so much involved from going from a dine-in to a takeout model if you've never done it before. Um, and we just noticed that the last thing anyone wanted to worry about was putting up cash for this online ordering system spending thousands of dollars to get this set up, not knowing how long this closure is going to last, whether it's going to be a week, a month, a year. So that whole transition is kind of the, the key feedback that we got from a lot of customers. So we took that and we said, hey, there's got to be a cost-effective way to do this to support uh, restaurateurs uh, and bars during this difficult time. So we found an open source uh, online ordering. We made a lot of changes to it and we, we, gave, we gave it out for free. Uh, our existing cut initially it was really just meant to be for our next existing customers to kind of create value for them while the closures were put into effect. But the word of mouth kind of just spread like like wildfire, and we ended up adding that as a as a product offering uh, to to check please. Yeah, so we went from kind of a, a added value service that we're handing out to free to a viable product that about 200 restaurants are using right now. Wow. So it, it ended up being a great like lead generation tool for, for, for you, like a freemium yeah. model type of thing. Exactly, yeah. Neat. We just noticed that there was a gap in the market, that the existing tools that, that were out there uh, you know, were, were really expensive. And there was a big barrier to getting restaurants online. We said, well, how could we restructure the model so that it, it better reflects what restaurateurs are going through? So yeah, of course, free was the first uh, way to do it just to iterate on the product and now you know there's a good structure in place which really benefits restaurateurs allows them to get online quickly and get going but just in parallel you know we didn't forget about our core vision and what we were trying to accomplish uh but we noticed that the whole downloadable app model was going to was going to bite us in the butt later on so and we we realize that it's just uh, although the value is is massive to not have to wait for a bill at bars and restaurants, not quite big enough to be downloading an app and creating an account while you're sitting at a restaurant, and you're not going to do it at home because it's not top of mind. So during this time where we were on the biz dev side pushing our online ordering and letting people know that there's an alternative that existed, we uh, revamped our 
our pay-a-table product and made it a web application. Uh, so, you know, customers can scan a QR on the table, uh, view the restaurant's digital menu, and pay from your device. And we'll be yeah. soon adding order at table thanks to our online ordering uh, you know, saga that we took. So now we really have this whole suite of products from QR menus to pay at table, to order at table, and to online ordering, um, all fully integrated with Canada's major point of sales system. Yeah, and just to add one point to that, if you had asked us before COVID uh, if we would ever consider doing a web app, we would we would have laughed that you said that it's just not a, a, a good way to create value for, for customers. It's great you know, to have a downloadable app to create brand loyalty. And then when COVID hit, we just realized that there was just too much friction with a, a downloadable app. And that's where we kind of just completely revamped the, the product. Well, same for QR codes. If you asked me six months ago, <laughs> I would say, no, QR codes, at least in this market, in other markets, QR codes are, are very popular, like in India, for example. But here it would just, it was a thing that no one was really using. And now it's, uh, yeah, the next best thing after sliced bread. Um, could we dive into the origin story? Because I'm, I'm curious how you guys are so focused on the restaurant business. Are you, and did you guys ever work in restaurants? How, how did it all start? Tell, and, and how you both met? No, never, never worked in restaurants. None of us had any any restaurant or hospitality um, experience. The the origin story is a funny one. We were out uh, for what was it like our second to last semester at McGill, something like that. Yeah, yeah like and our final exams were we're all done. We we're out on on a, celebrating the end of the semester. Um, probably had a little too much to drink at the time, but uh, at the end of the night, we we really wanted to just get get out as fast as possible and it was just taking forever to get the bills for for our group so we kind of we woke up the next morning and we just thought there's there's no way that we we were we should have waited half an hour to get our bills as a, as a group and and take that uber back to the west island from downtown so that's kind of where the idea started kind of in our heads and then we we kind of did the research over over Found what six months like, yeah yeah i mean we we took the rest of our degree and, and just started conceptualizing it and yeah. to be honest as as engineers or engineering students at the time three co-founders we we understood the the technology utilized for payment terminals and one that that the components are actually quite inexpensive but restaurateurs are being charged a fortune for that hardware and that you know we could easily build a software tool that should be able to replace it completely through these new cloud-based uh, point of sale systems that are you know much more open to integration partners. So the whole the timing was really good. We were all about to graduate, so it made sense to dive into this, and that would bring us to you know January of, of 2019, where we're three graduated uh, you know engineering students and. We, we've been working on it ever since. Okay. So then, yeah, and you guys did the, the Ascension program in January. So I guess that timing worked out um, really well at that. Could you give us a snapshot of where you were at just before starting um, the, the, the Ascension incubation program? Thank you. We were still ideation phase. We had, we had like a basic prototype out, but not really a first customer using it live. We did have at the time, I think it was at the time, Gremlin 78, right? Yeah. They were our first customer, but we were quote-unquote live with them without an actual real product. So we spent, you know, like a lot of nights at the restaurant with the staff trying to understand kind of the workflows that, that they did on a daily basis from the beginning of the shift to closing 
the night to really try and understand how we could build our product in a way that kind of just fits seamlessly into the into the day-to-day. Because we knew that like on, on one end for a mobile application, changing consumer behavior is one of the most difficult things to do. But then it would never work if wait staffs, wait, waiters didn't adopt this and didn't push it to customers. So the last thing we wanted to do is to change their quote unquote customer behavior from, from the day-to-day jobs. Yeah. Yeah, so you really went into the restaurants to, to, to be with your customer uh, as much as possible and, and learn from them. Well, we didn't want to be naive and, and try and uh, build a product that we think is best yeah. for them when we have absolutely no idea you know, how a restaurant operates. And you know what, truth be told, it's really complicated. And it's, it's a massive operation. People yes. really don't give it the credit it deserves. It is complicated. There's a system in place. And if you're trying to go in there with this new tech and say, oh, well, it's easier to do it this way, it, you know, depends who you talk to. You really need to go in and better understand how the workflows uh, function in, in most restaurants. So this was great that they gave us access. We're forever in, uh, you know, Grumman 78's uh, gratitude, to be honest. Unfortunately, they, they, they didn't survive the COVID-19, uh, you know, the a crisis that hit our, our industry so that was that was definitely very emotional for us yeah. and I you know our goal is to try and make sure that more restaurants don't don't fall into that situation so anything we can do to help at this point but uh, but yeah we, we learned a lot from them and that's what gave us the foundation to build these other products because you know, at least now we understand you know, who we're working with Tell me about how you ended up getting your first sale. Was Grumman from the get-go a paying customer, or it was more like a, a, a <laughs> you're nodding your heads no? So, but t- tell tell me about that because that's always uh, you know quite the the biggest uphill battle for for any startup. With Grumman, actually, what we did so we were still students at the time when we when we first approached them uh, at McGill, and. You know, we were struggling to get through the door with, with restaurateurs. So what we did instead is we decided to, to call them and say, hey, we're doing a, a school project for McGill. We'd love to kind of ask you guys some questions about the industry. Or you just become their best paying customers. You go there every night, give them big tips. That was another way, too, that we, that we did. But, yeah, no, so at the time, that, that's kind of what we did to get that meeting. And then when we showed up, we said, hey, by the way, we are students, but we're looking to, to start a business. And here's our idea. And we had a napkin with a, with a pen we drew out what it would kind of look like. And thankfully that Hillary, the, the owner gave us the time of day, you know, sat us down, served us some wine and, and we chatted for like a solid hour about the product. And she was super excited about that. And from from that point on, I mean, we embarked like a six month journey with, with Grumman 78 to, to build out our product before we actually had it live in the market. Okay, so that, that was your test phase. And then wh- how did you approach? Who, who was your first uh, customer? I don't know if you could share that. but Like paying customer? Mm-hmm. After Grumman? It's a good question. Yeah. I guess it would be like, the, 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 we have like a group that I would say really, really started with. Uh, Tandres, Nouveau Palais, uh, Monopole, uh, Agricole. So there's this group of restaurants. Essentially, we we're only integrated with with Lightspeed POS at the time. Yeah, and it's actually at the time was not as popular as it is now. So it was hard to find these initial customers. It required us going restaurant to restaurant on Google Maps and looking at the images and trying to figure out which POS. Um, you know, no way. Was. Yeah, Lightspe- not- your partner at Lightspeed couldn't help you to to guide the- you to. 
a lot of people just don't want to share customer lists with with partners just for especially random people yeah <laughs> so that was definitely that was definitely a hurdle but like I mean, luckily that the google maps view, not google maps the google image view uh, of the restaurants that get uploaded by by customers or, or by the restaurant most of the time we're able to find kind of a screenshot like by zooming in that's nuts. That that I, I that, that this I think this is the coolest uh, insight I I am getting from you guys today. That's that, that's like scrappiness we had, and like we just had like a list of five hundred restaurants that we did that to. We spent like a, a week or two just doing this, making a big list, and then we said we filtered for light speed customers and we said these are people that we can sell to to right now because we have this integration. That's cool, guys. That's that's a really cool story. Okay, so so you have that list, and then what happens? You just go knock on doors. What what, what does that look like? Yeah, pretty much emails, <laughs> phone calls, show up in person, uh, you know, pretend to be a customer, and then pitch the waiter. And the ones that listen, you know, they, they some gave us a time of day, and you know, Ralph from Agricol, uh, always like a, a great supporter, understood what we were trying to do, and worked with us since day one. Uh, Jacques and Nouveau Palais, same thing. You know, always wanted to hear what we had to say and, and gave us a chance. And I think that's where we got really lucky. And honestly, there's numerous others where we're so lucky that we have this group of initial customers with Lightspeed and Lightspeed themselves. When we came to them, it was um, actually while we were in Ascension, we didn't have a product yet. We had just an idea. And we said, you know, it was, it was a mock-up on that yeah, really, a, really bad. Oh, was a Marvel, Mar- Marvel Marvel app that let you kind of create prototypes uh, for, for for web apps or apps. It was very rudimentary, yeah. and but, but they gave us a time of day. We showed it to them. They understood the grand vision. Clearly, weren't too off-put by the very basic modeling of what we were trying to do, and uh, they allowed us to integrate. And we learned a lot from them. So a lot of very lucky opportunities that allowed us to to go and. Um, and then build that foundation, a technical foundation that we needed. So yeah, so, so let's speak about the, the tech side because that's very, very often in any tech-focused startup, the battle between getting your first customers and making sure your tech is ready to, to be deployed. Where are, You both are not the, the, you're from an engineering background, but you're not the technical co-founders, yeah, no. right? Absolutely we're not. We no. have a we have a third co-founder, uh, Olivier, who's who's our CTO, and he's the, the kind of tech savant. Yeah, honestly, with without him, he's just amazing. We would not have a product, and we wouldn't be where we are right now without without that that side. So, where was the product when you you got these first customers, Agricole, um, uh, Palais? Was it? You were able within the six month period just build it out and test it with the the first uh, with Agricole, then and, and it was ready to be deployed. It was perfect, nice and shiny, and ready to go. Oh, nothing is nice nothing, and shiny. Yeah, nothing is perfect. <laughs> we, we took the summer of 2019 to build to to test at Grant. That means bringing people there, big groups all paying at the same time, uh, trying a lot of different use cases to see if it all worked well. And then during that summer, uh, you know, as it went by, we started to, to involve more restaurants and, again, bring people to test. Uh, there were lots of issues, you know, bills not closing right, uh, the integration not functioning the way we wanted to, realizing that the product was missing something, having to go back and add it. But the classic iterative approach, yeah. 
Um, we used our friends a lot, but I could, I could tell you all my friends minted rum in like at least 10 times in that, in that three month period. But, uh, but yeah, at the end of the summer, we ended up having our, our group of base customers. Um, we pushed it until December and, you know, everything closes. And so and it brings us to, to January Q1 yeah. of 2020 and, I, I, and that's nuts, right? You put all that effort for one whole year to, to build it out. It's finally like at a level you're you're happy and you're ready to, to scale at. And then, boom, it, yeah. the world changes. But probably the best thing that ever happened. Um, I, I, think, I feel like it was an eventuality that we, we would have hit a point where it became very clear that the app approach wasn't going to be sustainable or wasn't going to be as successful as we wanted to for... Um, the price point we wanted the product to be at. Uh, you know, you remember, we wanted it to be accessible. We didn't want high setup fees, high monthly fees to impede independent restaurants from trying this because the truth is those are the people who benefit the most from eliminating these multiple terminals and $1,000 fees for this hardware. So we wanted to target them, but we realized the marketing uh, aspect and just convincing people to download it, it, it was too complicated. So, you know, COVID, at least what it did for us was, like you mentioned right at the beginning of the podcast, QR codes. Such a mundane thing that people really barely utilize on a day-to-day are now the only way to get a menu at 99% of restaurants, probably across North America. So it became a norm overnight. That opens a whole avenue. So a a fancy restaurant, a full-service restaurant and bar that normally would never touch a QR or put something like that on their table because why would you want this disgusting thing on my table when I spend all this time creating a design that I love, blah, blah, blah. Um, Now they do it. Now they all have it. That just opens the door to, well, you have all these people scanning this thing. What else can you you get them to do? It doesn't just need to be a menu. Why not add payment? Why not add ordering? Why not create this whole, um, you know, accessory to the experience in a digital in a digital sphere? So that's kind of what we conceptualized in, you know, late March, early April, and and then we kind of ran with it. Yeah. And I think there's even so much more looking forward of what's possible now that this is the new norm here. Currently, as of the recording, restaurants are closed in, in Quebec. Uh, but once they could open up again, QR codes will probably remain. Um, physical menus might be a thing of the past because, well, it's a health concern. You have to wash them every time. You don't want to be passing it from customer to customer. What else is possible with QR codes and how far could you take that digital experience in a physical space? I think that's really cool. Yeah, I exactly. Sky's the limit. To be it's, it's also a huge cost saving for, for restaurants. Uh, the amount of times that they have to reprint menus for a price change or a new special, it, it costs money. Now they can just make that change on the online format and the customer is still scanning the same QR when the changes are done uh, online. So tell me about like where you're at now and where you're you're looking forward. Is it just, still just the three of you on the team? Has the the team grown? How many customers you guys have? And and what's your your roadmap now looking towards twenty twenty one? Thank goodness we're not three anymore because uh, that, that was starting to get a little boring. Uh, no, we onboarded some incredible people, so we're really really lucky to have grown our tech team and our operations team. Uh, you know, right now we have about uh, 200 active customers, 
Um, this is across Canada, and now we're moving into the U.S. as well. We've built really good distribution channels uh, through our partners. So I think with that, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're poised to make a really big impact. At the same time, always building out new partnerships, new integrations, um, you know, but with partners that really see the value in this yeah. because it's great. You can integrate with everybody, but at the end of the day, uh, it's all about it's all about distribution. And truth be told, as a small startup in Montreal, it's a challenge to get that that wide set distribution that we think we really need to make this commonplace. So we're always looking for the partners who will who will join us in that endeavor, who will join us in spreading the message of this you know, alternative method of, of payment and digitalization of the hospitality industry. So when we find those people, you know, we'll put in the work, we'll put in the time to build up the partnership, build up the technical integration and see how we can spread it together. So we're in a really good spot right now where we're, we're about to really push this with a few of our partners and uh, yeah, it's, it's only up from here. So this, the COVID story for check please has been definitely uh, interesting. I guess completely uh, not life changing, but uh, trajectory changing, and and for the good, for the yeah, good. for the best, yeah, yeah. and we're uh, on the way up. That's awesome. I'm, I'm I'm excited to see where just to where uh, to what heights you could bring it, especially uh, going to the states that just opens up a, a door of possibilities. Do you, do you guys have a lot of competition in, in Canada and the U.S. Definitely. If, if one thing changed with, with COVID is that everyone and anyone is, is especially in the, the online ordering space or order at table, you have big companies like Square or even POS companies like Lightspeed or Touch Show that are just adding this product to, to, the, to their suite of, of offerings just because they want to create uh, value to, to their existing customers. So there's definitely a, a lot of competition out there. Um, but where we kind of see ourselves differing is, again, with those key partnerships and distribution, but as well as uh, our, our pay-at-table solution is still kind of a, a differentiating factor. So this this experience where you're still ordering with the wait staff, but only paying at the end, I think is something that's going to gonna be here to stay a lot longer than ordering at, at a table is. Um, so I think that's a, a key differentiator for us as well. Just to add, uh, just having that suite, those suite, that suite of offerings, and the flexibility that we have between our products, you know, allows us to go into any restaurant and provide the exact product that they need. Yeah. So it's not that we're siloed; it's we have all these different pieces, and we can build the puzzle for you. So it just depends on what you need. Um, so I think for us, you know, on a technology, a technology base, we built what we wanted to build, and now it's. Now it's all about, you know, how are we going to um, just spread the message? And I think the distribution is the way to do that. So, mm-hmm. Well, and, and, and as, you know, being niche in, in fintech is, well, any company is important. And you guys really focus on, on restaurants. But like you mentioned, just by looking at your, your current and past customers, is really more in that, that upper or high end um, restaurant segment. So. Uh, and you, you know them so well that you're able to, to really listen to their needs and be able to adapt um, to them. So uh, on that note, which uh, you guys are in the industry, which, which restaurants that most people don't know about in Montreal that they should definitely uh, check out? That they don't know about. Or, or which are your favorite? Which, which are uh, maybe you're going to be biased to your customers. But, uh, how, about this? how about this? If you go on the app store, you can download the Check Please app and <laughs> 
built an application that aggregated all the restaurants that we work with. They're all great. Uh, so that's a great way to check them all out. Don't like to play favorites, to be perfectly honest. They're all fantastic. Okay, well, I, I like to play favorites. My favorite's the, the I always forget the name, but the what's the ramen store on the uh, ramen restaurant on Rachel? Yeah, best ramen in Montreal. Oh my God. Um, get delivery and uh, takeout on the check-in day. I've used I've used your app to 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 order from them uh, like at least three or four times during the lockdown. So uh, great experience. It worked super well, and they they I, I get there. It's ready. It's hot. It's perfect. To to end off and and wrap up this episode, um, could we could you talk to me about just some of the main lessons learned? We we've we've spoken about your ups and your downs. Uh, you guys have gone through a lot um, uh, over the past two years. Um, what, what are some of the, this is the first time, is it your first, well, I guess, real entrepreneurial experience uh, before launching Check Please? You've not, I see you nodding. Yeah, perfect. Um, first, yeah. What, um, yeah, what should others who, who maybe are graduating university um, this year or next year and, and are like, cool, I, I have an idea. Uh, what are some tips you, you would share with them? And right off the, off the bat, I would say the first thing you should do is just speak to as many customers as possible, whether you're B2B, B2C, or, or both. You know, just get your product, whether it's a mock-up, a drawing, piece of paper, show people, get feedback. Take the, the time necessary to do that because you're just otherwise going to build something without knowing if, one, if people even want this, or two, if, if people understand it the way you do. And what I would add, as uh, I think we, we often take it for granted, but you know, Eric and I knew each other throughout university, so we, it was just a natural thing to, to go into business together. But find a co-founder. Um, ideally, find two. Three is a great number. Three is a party. Um, you know, the reason the reason I think it's so important is it is a long journey. And when we first started, you know, we had crazy projections for like six months after the product would be launched. You know, uh, things are totally unreasonable in hindsight, but it's a long journey. You're going to need, you're going to need sane power. You need those people yeah. who are going to stay along the journey with you. Um, I think that's been, you know, an important support structure for us. So I definitely encourage that you find those other people who are going to join you on that. Perfect. Well, gentlemen, thank you uh, once again for, for taking the time. Uh, I'll be definitely checking out that. I didn't know you had an app that aggregates uh, all, the, all the restaurants, so I'll uh, have a look at that. And um, yeah, thanks. Thank you. And I look forward to, to following up uh, in the new year to, to see, uh, well, just how, how far you guys uh, bring uh, Check, please. Awesome. Awesome. Thank thanks you so much. Us. Thank you for your time. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Bye now.